Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners and macabre murders from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales we tell. And it's episode 82. 82. I'm now I'm less inspired. Less inspired less by 82. Inspired by 82, yeah. It's too close to like 100. <laughs> so I'm, I'm bored until then. Until 100 hits. Yep. No numbers nah, thrill you. No numbers excite me. You're like an actual 82-year-old. Like, oh, all of this. <laughs> Until it's 100, it's just it not 100, fun. Yes, absolutely. I'm almost 100. <laughs> oh, well, how are you, Nick? Are you uh, almost 100? Almost. So very close. I mean, you look it. There. That's so kind. <laughs> Walked into that one. Uh, how are you? And your pre-cocktail cocktail. Uh, pre-cocktail cocktail. <laughs> absolutely. Which, which you didn't exactly refuse yourself. It had to be said. You didn't come in threatening if I didn't make you a cocktail. I hardly think that's true. <laughs> it's only a mild <laughs> twist on the truth. I My- didn't threaten you. I threatened your future children if you didn't make uh, me a cocktail. That's, that's fair enough. <laughs> yes. No, Nick, you did make me a lovely cocktail. I did. What do we? What do we have? What do we, we have? Well, we have a red hook to start with. Yay! I fancied I hadn't had one for ages, and I thought, ooh, that sounds tasty. Very much the cocktail you make when it's not your episode. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I don't have to do anything. I can sit here and drink and go, ha, 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 ha. And I have to drink and try and tell stories yes. and go, oh, God. I, I, if you recall, I did ask how much you can drink before you stop reading. <laughs> And that's a big question. Something Nick. like that. Yes. Well, indeed. <laughs> Reading out loud, more of a challenge. But we'll see. I think I'm up to it. Excellent. Well, we'll soon find out. Any poisonings this week? Uh, no. 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 I was, I was racking my brain there to see if anything exciting had happened. But no. Well, something very been. exciting did happen for you with the weekend, as our Patreon subscribers know and have been discussing at length. <laughs> Your yes, indeed. As you may have seen on the Instagram, I, I went to blacksmithing. A smithing, he would I go. I went to smithing, heating <laughs> steel and hammering things. And... You haven't got the lingo down, have you yet? <laughs> That's what one does. One hammers steel. Oh my goodness! Did you wear like a big apron? I had a massive apron, <laughs> massive leather apron, big gloves, Cause and it... a big hammer. Did I got a blister on my thumb? <laughs> I'm not used to hammering. <laughs> Because I was about to say, you cut a fine figure as a blacksmith, I feel. You, know? <laughs> you look like a ye olde, you know, strong, powerful blacksmith forging. Oh, I'm going to blister my thumb. Yeah, I, I, I feel the, the, the mask, the eye protection, <laughs> the ear defenders and everything may have sort of slightly detracted from the manliness of the situation. Oh, yeah. People, please help me out. I don't know why I'm saying this on air. There was a TV production company or... Something you know those little the, the stabs that you get either at the beginning of a film or the end of a TV series, and there was like an animated version of a blacksmith who put the thing he was hammering into fire or water, and then it was the logo for the TV company. Some people are going yes, yes, yes. I remember. No this. one is going yes, yes, yes. Is this a fever dream I had? 
absolutely no one is going yes. Everyone's going, Sinead's made this stuff up. If you remember it, please write in. Nonsense. It's important. But Nick made a lovely knife. He is a new profession if he ever needs it. Oh, absolutely. Yes, I'm now multi-skilled. And on Patreon, we decided that we need to have more crafts on this show. So people are very much in favour of a knit-along. <laughs> I did not think that would take off, and now no, I'm no, actually we... kind of into it. So, yeah, so I'm thinking, yeah, cocktail cocktail and knitting could be an interesting combination. We'll, we'll be teaching Sinead how to knit. Yeah, with cocktails, which is horribly wrong. Teaching Sinead how to knit and then taking Sinead to the eye doctor, <laughs> who said, I told you so. With her eyes on needles. Hello. <laughs> well, speaking of eyes on needles and crafts, I think it's time for us to thank our delicious Patreon subscribers. We probably should. There have been a great many this week, so thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. The first one we have JC Likens. Thank you, Lucy H. To Sarah Rene. To Deanna Lancaster. To Nicholas Stain Street. To Fiona Haig. And to Tara Ashley McAvoy. Thank you, you beautiful Thank you very much. I hope you're enjoying all the excitement that is on Patreon. It is an exciting, exciting place. If you haven't joined us already, come over and give it a go, guys. Ask us any questions you want before joining, before committing. It's okay. We're as nervous as you are. (laughs) We'll guide you through. (laughs) This is Patreon. It's weird. Beautifully weird. Well, Nick. Hello. Are you ready? Uh, To drink cocktails and talk about poison we are way ahead oh we could switch to poison and talk mm, about cocktails i'm quite enjoying this cocktail are you actually going to make another cocktail or are you just going to have red hooks for the evening uh, potentially both oh, that's a very good idea no yes yeah, the mark of a man who does not have to read out a big long story <laughs> exactly i don't have to do any reading today i can drink <laughs> i am sitting here with my arms folded you are you're very, <laughs> very dramatic, very serious stern pose going on there the reality of my situation has kicked in going yeah Jesus, I can, I can drink all of Sinead's drinks. <laughs> <laughs> As you frequently do. Well, should yes. we go with the first one? Should we, should we talk about yes, poison while drinking cocktails? Let's let's go for that. Let's hooray, it, hooray. Great. As we've established, it is master this week. Hooray, hooray, hooray. But we can't, we can't, we can't possibly have a story without a cocktail in hand. As you know, dear listeners, every week we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell and will flavour our cocktail of the week. Yes. So, this, this caused some memes... That was sent to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I saw this. Because this week's secret ingredient is a mole. A mole. A little mole. A little tiny little mole. A mole is in the diggy diggy groundy creature, not the, the facial thing. Yes. Or on the body, anywhere. Yep. Thankfully, that did not inspire the cocktail. Because <laughs> that would be weird. Um, no, it's a little creature mole rather than yeah. mole. See, now you see. Yes, see. Yes, see. see. So, uh, when you text me, you just said, Mole, I, I did not instantly put little furry creature in my head. So Didn't I, I? No, you just, you just wrote the letters, the four letters there, and I, I interpreted them slightly differently. What? I put an accent was, in there. Wh- what? I was wondering why you responded so damn quickly. I, I say, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I had backups that I've now cut from this story. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, how about a mole? Like, yep, absolutely. I was like... Oh, okay. Wow. You've been saving this up. What have you done to the moles in the garden? Loads of people going, moles are cute. I'm just going to say it right now before we go any further. Moles are fucking terrifying. Put one on a hardwood floor or a ceramic floor. Doesn't really matter. Watch them come at you. 
terrifying. Well, it's not their natural environment, is it? No, so and they want to kill fun, you. And so, so what were you when as a child, your your mole racing or something? And my cat Lula, who um, I have shared yeah, pictures yeah. of on it's Instagram, always Lula's fault, isn't it? Always Lula's fault. She is a part Bengal. She's an incredible hunter. And when I lived in the countryside, she would go down mole holes and drag the fuckers out. I wouldn't kill them because I don't think they're very tasty. She'd be like, Ugh. and then she'd just bring them in the house and go, "This is your problem now." And they're so small and the tiny hands because they're obviously built for digging soft surfaces i guess oh you put them on a thing and they come at you at a rate of knots <laughs> trying to find their way and it's a mole it's tiny and it's blind it's not going to do anything but it's like some sort of scuttling creature from a video game it's not pleasant and we have one here tonight <laughs> <laughs> stay underground you moles so we're not yeah so we're, we're not having a mole so we're not having a mole so you've no. gone with mole with an accent yes we are having a mole Mole. Mole. We have an accent on the E. We're oh, going Mexican. Oh, okay. See? No, I'm. This is not all right. No, what is that? That's, that's, what, you, that's what you're getting. And someone guessed on Instagram. I was very annoyed. Oh, someone like, well, you can do this. And I go, no, that was my idea. <laughs> but well done you for guessing too. I'm more disappointed that when you said mole with an accent, I wasn't like, what, a French mole? A French mole, a yes, French no, mole. A French mole. German mole, <laughs> Swedish. Mole. Oh, my God. That's. But have you. What? How? what how it's but it's a mole no, not it's anymore. not the it's same not. thing well i didn't know that from you just writing some letters down I you th- didn't say like a little burrowy creature thing you just said mole no i said mole and i didn't put an accent on if i'd meant mole i would have just gone by the way the thing not no. the other thing <laughs> which would by have the way the thing not sense. the other thing it would have been as clear as anything at that point absolutely okay for, for god's sake well mole okay well, are we going to have some lovely dips? I mean, I'm excited about that. <laughs> so what is mole? Well, it's generally sort of based, a chocolatey-based mm. sort of thing used for cooking, mainly. Yeah. And it's not as a condiment, but it's a, it's a way of cooking involving chocolates and spices and well, bit, really deep, bitter chocolate. Right. It is more of a sauce. Than a, more of a, yeah, more a of a marinade, well. That's the word I was looking for. Not a way of cooking. <laughs> that's that. I could not think of the word marinade. That's exactly what it is. Would you like to grill this or bake this or mole it? Just throw some chocolate and shit at throw it? Throw some chocolate and shit at it. <laughs> okay, well, that does sound delicious. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm annoyed, but... I suppose when I'll tolerate it <laughs> when I'm given mole-based cocktails. <laughs> God damn it! Okay, so with mole, so with mole, uh, we are having we are having the right hand, the right hand. Yes. Oh, what a good name! Which is a good name for a cocktail. I feel That's it's a very slightly good dramatic name. and slightly the right sort of secret society, sort of the right hand waving. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> They wouldn't be very secret if they did. You'd go, Hi! <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't wave, don't wave. I think right. they might be slightly more subtle than that. Just a sort of subtle, hello. Hello. <laughs> Just one finger. <laughs> Stand down by your leg, oh, hello. <laughs> With their left hand. It's confusing. It's kind of weird. <laughs> so we're having the right hand. Right hand. The right hand. Good. Okay, the right hand. Yes. With mole. With mole. We've gone far, far away from the story here. So there's no moles. Well, you should have been more precise with your texting. Oh, God damn it. You should have been less keen to jump all over that mole. Great. Absolutely fine. No questions asked whatsoever. <laughs> I'm intrigued. I'm excited. I think without further ado, it is time for us to go into the boys and his cabinet kitchen and shake up a storm. So we'll see you in a minute. I'll see you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. So, Nick, the right 
Hand. Right hand. It is a right and just hand. Well, one, would, one would hope. We would hope. So it's, quite, it's looking quite nice. It's in yeah. a tumbler. Nice cube of ice in there. Indeed. Dare I say it is Negroni-like. Negroni-esque. Negroni-esque. Interesting. Something mm-hmm. moly, moly, moly in there. Okay, well, a little snifter. Hang yeah. on first. We've got hints of Negroni about it, I'm guessing. And what else? What else do you smell? Not much. I'm sorry. <laughs> Do not, do not get a wee hint of something. <laughs> no, apparently not. No. <laughs> you and your jaded palate. <laughs> Shouldn't be a wingback chair swilling this at me. Okay, well, well clearly I'm missing all the flavour notes in this. All right, okay, let's give it a go. Let's dive in. Cheers. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Nick has gone to his happy place. Mm, that's tasty. It, 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 it's like a Negroni, which is great. I don't know what I'm missing. Different to a Negroni. I don't know. Maybe the red hook is... Hang on, let me just have some water. Cleanse the palate. It's quite different to a Negroni. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Nick is looking daggers at me, people. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? It's like I've gone out to a fine restaurant and ordered ketchup with my mini Kievs. Oh, second sip was better. That's good. Second sip. There's, there's more complexity to it. There is. I'm sorry. I can only no, go... No, the, no. And it's also, it helps I know what's in it. So you I'm, do. Yes, you so know yes, what's in it. I'm so. going it's Negroni. Yes, it's definitely different from a Negroni. It's, yes, absolutely. Well, there's a bit of spice in there. It's not too overpowering because I'm not sure what I was expecting because knowing mole is chocolatey, spicy and it's very thick and dark and rich in Mexican cooking. So I guess I was expecting all of those flavours and this is lovely. But I'm confused. No, okay. So, no, absolutely. It is very similar to a Negroni. Absolutely. We have the Campari and we have the Red Vermouth, as you would expect in a Negroni. Um, absolutely. But rather than a base of gin, as we would have normally, we have rum. We have Ooh, dark rum Delicious. Here. And then we also, we have dashes of mole bitters. <gasps> mole bitters. Someone mentioned mole bitters on Instagram, exactly, I think. Exactly, yep. So we have that. I don't know if it's in me, in my head, because I know it's in there, but I can taste chocolate. I can, t- I can, I can taste that. As an, as an aftertaste on the back of my tongue, I can taste it. <laughs> but I don't know if that's just my brain telling me I should, I should because I know it's in there. There's two reactions I have to what you just said. One is you have a more sophisticated drinks palette. You drink a wider range just of more. cocktails. <laughs> but you're, you know, you have a more sophisticated palate, I suppose, towards more of the herbal and the spices because you like chartreuse. You have a, more of an appreciation for those kind of complexities. That's one th- reaction. The other reaction is, oh, just shut the fuck up, Nick. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was waiting for that one to come out, really. <laughs> I can definitely taste like chocolate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like when you're drinking red wine, like you're the tannins and I'm tasting blackberries and everything. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. Can, can you, uh, you, you, you got there some sort of spiciness going on in there. I'm going to have another sip. Okay. I think it's in there. Now you said it, Yes. Because you can identify what that slightly, yeah, that dark chocolate, yeah, cacao, it's quite a bitter sort of. Mm. It's lovely. I think I think it works lovely, and I think those those bitters are really good. I'm looking for you can use them really well in mm. sort of like an old fashioned. Um, oh, go really well yeah. with bourbon and things like that. Oh, so delicious. I think that'll be really nice as well. It's a um, wonderful twist on a Negroni. Yeah. I mean, dark rum and Negroni 
clearly works. It's lovely. But those mole bitters, they do add something. They it's they not do, yeah. this overpowering not spice sensation, but it shouldn't be. It well, shouldn't it should, be. No, no bitter should be overpowering. They should just add a layer of complexity in there, which can be slightly pretentious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they are There are so many different varieties because they are good mm. um, and they do add something. And they um, are subtle. That's and they the are point. subtle, absolutely. They are not mm. overpowering, but they just add that extra layer in there that yeah, you wouldn't get otherwise. And I think these ones, the first time I, I bought these especially for this, I've had my eye on them for a while. I think they weren't really... <laughs> I mean, they're not. They're not cheap. It's like almost. It's fifteen quid for a bottle like that big. But it'll last you a long time, as bitters do, because you use them so sparingly. So they're and they'll last forever. Well, they have but a base think, of alcohol in them. Exactly. So, but I think that in potentially an espresso martini. Oh, can you imagine? Could yeah. just have had that little notion of that chocolatey bitterness yeah. in the back with the coffee. I think would be really interesting. Yeah. And um, I think anything with bourbon would be mm. work really well. So I think there's a lot of possibilities. Um, Absolutely, these, which is going to be exciting. This is one definitely for the cocktail aficionados. I stand by my reference to your palate, even though it's a little bit of a like, shut up, Nick, you don't taste anything apart from lies. But you do have a sophisticated palate when it comes to drinks and you can pick up on those flavours. And some people would probably be like, I don't know what it is. And rightly so, because it is supposed to be subtle, but there's little notes. I don't know if it's psychosomatic or if it's just that now you've said it, it's all Mm. I can taste. It's not that I've suddenly got this overpowering (laughs) taste of chocolate, but there's the the slight aftertaste where I was like, how would I describe that? And go, it's dark chocolate, that's it. Dark chocolate with a hint of spice and bitterness. Cinnamon. Not sweet. Absolutely, Mm. it's it's quite... Oh, no, you're going for the full flavour compliment. Cinnamon. Cinnamon and chocolate. And... A touch of nutmeg. A few little tiny shavings of cardamom. <laughs> the cacao glowing on the north face of the Andes. <laughs> on the shady side, <laughs> On the stop. shady side, yes. It's a damn delicious drink. It's really good. Why didn't we have this Negroni week, mate? <laughs> I might say Negroni week is, to, is Negroni year. It is Negroni It's Negroni season. Spooky yeah. season is Negroni season. It is. They are sort of orange. They're red like blood. All hail spooky month because it is officially spooky month. It's spooky month. It is the 1st of October. Hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. So we needed a good autumnal, beautiful fall, the pinnacle of fall drink. And I think this covers it very nicely. Yes, that's, right, that's not what I was going for, but it works. But it does. It does. It's the right hand. It's devilish. It's, as you said, bloody Surely orangey. the left hand is devilish. Is it the left? Yes, because someone else. No, it is. It is. Sorry. Because left in Latin is like sinister. So the left is the evil one. It is. The right is the good one. This is the good one. This one fights the evil. But we have our delicious drinks firmly in hand. The right, the right hand. hand. <laughs> <laughs> You've been waiting to say that for ages, haven't you? <laughs> Are you ready for the story, Nick? Yes. Okay, good. Because we do have a touch of mysticism with our murder. Oh, nice. I like mysticism. Mysticism. We're getting into spooky month. Uh, with a great, great story. One of those that you go, hmm, never heard of this. And then the internet explodes when you look it up and you go, oh, ha, 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 good. <laughs> but there is a little touch of mysticism nice. about it. Nice. Very nice. It is time for us, Nick, to go out to the Red Barn. Ooh, oh, I was going to do this one. How rude. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's the same Red Barn that we're thinking of. Oh, is it a French barn by any chance? No. Oh. No, it's not the red barn oh a different barn it's another the red barn <laughs> how many could there be you would think yes and it's not the tom Waits song murder in the red barn oh my god there's many there are many red barn murders apparently <laughs> and we're going to cover all of them in the show nice. my darlings okay but this one is pretty damn famous 
Not that we know about it. Uh, but when you delve into okay. it, this is highly sensational. One of the biggest trials, murder cases of the time, written about later on by Thomas Hardy, by Charles Dickens. I had not heard of it. I, did, I had no idea until I delved into a book and went, oh, my goodness. Even has a link, very tenuous, that I will crowbar in at the end, to another case that we've covered. I am most certainly intrigued. So let us go, Nick, to Polstead in Suffolk. Okay. And it's the spring of 1828. We're going to the Red Barn. The Red Barn belongs to the Martin family. The patriarch of the Martin family is Thomas Martin. And he is a mole catcher. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. family caught moles, turned them into gloves. Nice. Very lovely, good. lovely gloves. There is another reference to moles later. It's fine. The moles did not kill them. Were they Mexican moles? They had tiny sombreros. The tiny sombreros. <laughs> Every time he lifted them out, it was like, oh, there's moles. <laughs> there's <is> mariachi moles again. <laughs> Plagued them until he murdered everyone in the village to stop the moles that whispered in his ear in Mexican. No, no, no. They are a simple mole-catching family, Nick. They are modest. But all is not well at home, for Thomas is most worried about his daughter, Maria. For they have not heard from her in some time. Mm. Lovely Maria, lovely Maria, 25 years old. She was a happy child and as a young woman received, as was later quoted, an education far superior to her situation in life. (laughs) She learned to read. God. <laughs> <laughs> she she was schooled in many things, possibly due okay. to the fact that she is quite a beauty. Very popular in the village. Very, 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 very popular. Oh, how popular she was. Oh, she had two illegitimate children. <laughs> quite popular. Who doesn't? <laughs> yes, Maria, a true beauty in Polstead and very well liked by all, obviously. That's what it seems. <laughs> <laughs> She's indeed formed relationships in her youth with two men and has had two children by these chaps. Not even the same chap? Two babies by two baby daddies. Oh, God. Indeed. Now, it's not that she's attracting huge amounts of scandal even for the first one or the second one. You know, tongues are wagging, but she's so pretty. And, and, you know, to be fair, men are shagging their way around Britain at the time. Maybe they're being trying to be a little bit more progressive in Suffolk. But either way, she has had an unfortunate step, as would be later called... Into bed. (laughs) One child, a son with a man named Thomas Corder, very sadly died in infancy, but the second survives. While the father wasn't really keen on continuing the relationship, he still sent money for the child's future. Okay, well, it's better than nothing. So it's, it's, it's better than nothing. But ever since she eloped with her latest boyfriend, the family have heard precious little from her. The the couple have moved to the Isle of Wight, you see, to wed, and since she's been so unwell and had various hand injuries that prevented her from writing home to the family, they just have not heard high nor high tale of Was their daughter. Was it her right daughter. hand, by any chance? It, well, that's traditionally the writing hand. Indeed. And her writing hand has been so... Oh, my she's God. She's just, just there lifting cocktails constantly. <laughs> she cannot possibly write any more letters. <laughs> Weightlifting her way through gin. <laughs> but the new husband has kept the family informed of her health and her various hand-based mishaps and their happy marriage. And he sent a few pennies, of course, along of course. the way to, to ensure the family are well kept. Yet now almost a year has passed and the letters and the few pennies have stopped coming in and something is now troubling Maria's stepmother, Mrs. Martin, Thomas's second wife, Anne, is not much older than Maria herself. See why he went for her. Mm. Bit weird, bit weird. But she began to be troubled by uneasy feelings and terrible dreams 
almost visions, she would call them, about her stepdaughter's fate. Or was it just the lack of cash that was incoming? She Well, Anne Martin was said to have the sight. Did she indeed? They whispered of it in the village right. that the woman had the sight. Right. And on the 18th of April, 1828, for the third night in a row, Anne Martin is awoken in fright, saying that Maria is in the red barn. Ooh. She begs her husband again and again, go to the red barn, you have to search the red barn, you have to search the grounds because that is where Maria is. And Thomas Martin, being the dutiful husband he is after three nights of this, now rises from his bed and he walks the half-mile journey up to the Red Barn. See, why is it called the Red Barn in the first place? It's a it's a barn and it's red. Yeah, that's, that's an ominous name. You get it, okay, after people have been murdered horribly in there and it's covered in blood, call it the Red Barn then. Before then... It's the fucking barn. It's the it's a red barn. And there were there so was... many there were hundreds of other barns around. Well, it wasn't green and they decided to just go a bit meta with it and just, just go with the red barn. The barn. The ba- There's lots of barns, Nick. Mm. <laughs> he was debating this all the way up yeah, that half mile going, yeah. Why the fuck do we call it the red barn? It's rubbish. It sounds spooky. Why are we doing this? <laughs> People are bound to be murdered in there. While owls are hooting around him. (laughs) There's storm clouds overhead, lightning going on. Don't call it the Red Barn. (laughs) He searches the ground as his wife has instructed him. And he uses his mole-catching spikes to pierce the ground, to search through. What are you going to do? You can't dig everything. What's he searching for? He's searching for something. For more moles. What does he think he's going to find with spikes? Well, in one area, when he pushes the spike into the ground, he pulls it back up and it is coated with rotting flesh. Yeah, that'll do the trick. And rags. Because Thomas Martin has discovered where his daughter is. He's just stabbed her through the head. Well, he's trying to search the ground. He's a simple mole catcher. Look! Use your eyes! She's covered over, mate. It's not just that she's lying there and he went and stabbed a corpse. I'm sorry, I don't search for things by stabbing them. The ground. Nope. (laughs) That's what he's used to. He searches for moles by stabbing the ground. Mm. (laughs) Mm. The badly decomposed body of Maria Martin is uncovered, having been buried in a shallow grave in the seldom used barn. A post-mortem is conducted. A messy one, I might add. Yes. (laughs) It's inconclusive in regards to the actual cause of death, though they could see that she has been shot in the eye. Oh, that'll do it. Possibly strangled with a green handkerchief that's been found tied around her neck and stabbed twice. Was this a frenzied attack, a sudden shooting, or were those stab wounds due to the mole spike oh, being I think, driven I think, into I think, the ground? Yeah, I think potentially there we have a mole spike. A frenzied attack, that's quite a varied arrangement <laughs> of, of implements for a frenzied arrangement. attack. Well, you, you've got to have them organised, haven't you? So you've got to, it's, whoever's doing this frenzied attack has obviously got a small table laid out with a pistol and then a, then the silk handkerchief and then a knife. I so like we, the way you added in silk there. There was oh, no, well, silk no silk It was just green. green. It was a green <laughs> handkerchief. My apologies. I thought it was a fancy... I thought these were well-to-do people, but obviously, obviously not. But you must be organised for that sort of frenzy. These are the injuries this woman has sustained before or after death. Well, there were certainly questions. We can, we can conclude well, yes, that. Yes, one would hope. Mainly, who could have killed this poor, innocent young woman? No one would wish her harm. And where, oh, where, oh, where was the man who claimed... She had been off travelling with him all along. Well, indeed. Isn't she meant to be on the Isle of Wight? Where is William Corder? Mm. William Corder 
was the second son of a farmer, quite a well-off farmer. And he was known from a young age to be a sly fellow. He earned the nickname Foxy. Foxy. Foxy Calder. Foxy Calder, <laughs> as a youth. Thanks to his penchant for petty crime, he would frequently steal his father's pigs and sell them on at a profit. <laughs> nice. He was also a well-known ladies' man. Oh, yes. Well, ladies so man. His father attempts to enlist him in the Merchant Navy to try and get him some degree of stability and just, you know, to right his ways. He failed to get in due to poor eyesight. Uh. But while he's in London, enlisting with the Merchant Navy, he just kind of goes, fuck that. And he decides <laughs> to go off and live the high life. And he rather fabulously hooks up with an actress slash prostitute... I'm sorry, that's how it was written. She had both professions. I, I think, at the time, much the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so this actress was called, apparently, Hannah Fandango. Oh, that is an excellent name. Hannah Fandango. Hannah Fandango. Hannah Fandango. Nice. And- she had a sombrero. <laughs> <laughs> and a chorus of tiny moles who would like sing along when she was on stage and on stage, Absolutely. if you know what I mean. <laughs> He had fallen in with other petty criminals in his time in London. One that we'll come back to. The criminals- was it Jack the Ripper? It wasn't Jack the <laughs> oh, Ripper. Boo. I promise you it's not a Jack the Ripper reveal. But also, these criminals were also in the pig-stealing business in London. <laughs> I like that, the pig-stealing. I mean, there's a gang of pig thieves. <laughs> well, you know, you've got to smuggle and kind of steal things. And livestock is quite lucrative. Well, absolutely. No, I've got a pig on my arm. <laughs> One of them was called, uh, Sa- his nickname was Beauty, well-known smuggler and criminal nice Calder was nearly caught a few times and when the police actually questioned beauty you know the known smuggler is like like oh is Calder involved in this he would say about Calder I'll be damned if he will not be hung some of these days so, so he was almost caught what, what, with like a pig in his pockets also, or in his hat or something. He just put the pig under his trench coat. <laughs> under his trench coat. And there's a place where, did you have a pig there? No, 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 no pig here. He's standing on the back and then going, why have you got four very tiny legs? <laughs> Search pockets. No, no pig in there. No pigs in on there. On your way, sir. On your way. <laughs> Eventually, William would have to return to Polstead, having no money and no means of staying in London. He goes back to the family farm. Reports around this time uh, conflict a little bit. Some say that his father calls him back demands that he comes back and also he has no money so he's got no way of surviving in the capital others say that his father has died at this time and his older brother has inherited the farm so he Mm. has to come back and help with the estate but when he comes back to Polstead he is not really interested in the farm business even though his various family members are trying to to prop this up he wants to have a good time locally and that's where he meets Maria Martin Mm. Maria who was a beauty and knows her way around a man he knew this well as his older brother if you'd listened earlier you would have noticed that his older brother Thomas Corder had been oh, a I lover I knew that name yes mm, a, allegedly a lover of Maria now some of the reports around this get a little bit convoluted for reasons that I'll explain later on mainly the, the sensationalising this case is thought that she had a relationship with Thomas Corder that she had a child with him then the child died the facts get a little bit mixed up but we do know that maria martin had 
two children, she had lovers, and she probably had a relationship with Thomas Corder in the town. But then she meets William. Then moved on to his younger brother. The younger brother. The younger, carefree, sexy brother who's not going to be bothered with farm business. So William and Maria begin an affair. Some say it's secret at first, and some even say that they would steal away to the very red barn. Oh, the red barn. To conduct their various um, shaggings. Is that where they got got his name from? They put the red light bulbs in. It was very dramatic. God, I wondered what you were going to go with there, actually. <laughs> oh, the red no! light. Turn on your red light. Oh, that was blasting out the windows. <laughs> and like, this is very progressive for this time. It's interesting. <laughs> Maria soon fell pregnant, obviously. William assured her that he would marry her when the child was born. Generally, you do it before the child is born. Yeah, that's usually the way it happens. He's maybe not that keen, but he's making all these promises to her. He hasn't got a lot of choice in the matter. Mm. His brother has died during this liaison they're having. It makes William the owner of the Cordell Farm, and that's great quids in. But the farm's not doing too well, and it's now all his responsibility. The family want him to continue running the farm, but also it's hemorrhaging money. So he's kind of like, okay, I'm really stressed out about this. Can I just sell it? What can I do? And now his mistress or his lover has a baby on the way. Now, Maria gives birth to a child in the winter, but... The infant does not survive. Maria herself suffers greatly after the labour as well. And William is not so much troubled by the death of his infant child, but the stress of this relationship, the stress of another illegitimate child under Mary's Mm. name being out there and being known by people because she hasn't hidden the pregnancy. And it's an increasing scandal that Maria is attracting. So on the 18th of May, 1827, it's surprising when William comes to Maria's house and says to her in front of her stepmother that it's time for them to elope. It's time for them to do the right thing. They're going to go and get married and live a happy life. All signed, sealed, delivered. He says they need to do this because there's talk in the town that Maria is finally going to be punished by the law for having so many illegitimate children. There Mm. are penalties for having children out of wedlock. He says... Meet me at the Red Uh, Barn. I was going to say, meet me at the Red Barn. Yep. There's nothing ominous about that whatsoever. Not not at all, no. Was it it like midnight? I I had written that in previously. (laughs) Actually, it was daytime, apparently. Uh, It was daytime. It says, meet me later at the Red Barn. We're going to elope. We're going to run off and be wed. We'll sort out all the marriage licenses. He says to her, this has to be very private. No family. No, none of your family can come and attend the wedding. Wear men's clothing when you turn up so no one knows that it's Mm. you so keep yourself disguised so no one comes to get you because the law are after you so maria does as her beloved said she dresses in men's clothes she sets out from the family home to the red barn and is never seen again hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So several days went by with no sign of either of them. Then William turns up. Back in Polstead, in the village. Oh, you know, there were all sorts of problems with the marriage license when we got it. So she has to stay in Ipswich until it's sorted out. But I'm coming back to sort out the farm. Sorry. Yeah, she'll be in touch. Don't worry. 
William goes back to his farm to sort out the estate, but there's no sign of Maria after days and days and weeks now. Now it turns out that she's gone to the Isle of Wight mm. because she hasn't been well. She's gone to a, for a holiday to recuperate Absolutely. and she was get ill. Get some fresh air, some seaside air, absolutely. That's exactly what you need when you've hurt your hand and you can't yes, write letters definitely. to anyone. Yeah, the right hand or the left hand, they're not sure which. Good you know. sea air, that's what you need. That's exactly what the bones need mm-hmm. that are probably exposed from all these injuries. <laughs> William then, after several weeks, leaves Polstead. Off to see his bride, he claims. And he wrote to the family from the Isle of Wight, reportedly, assuring them that they have now finally been married. All is well. He's selling his farm in Polstead and they'll never be coming back ever again. Ever, Love ever, and kisses. Ever. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs> so the weeks turn into months and the family no longer receives letters from him, no longer receive any money from William, from their daughter that he promised them. Mm-hmm. And it's after 11 months. Now, some would speculate that 11 months later the family are not so much concerned as you said about maria disappearing yeah. it's more that it's, the money has stopped coming stopped in, coming in yes. where is the money but whatever the catalyst Anne martin has her vision in april in 1828 and maria is finally brought home mm. in bits <laughs> Sloppy gloopy. <laughs> there are bits in this story that sometimes when I write them, I go, oh, Nick's going to comment on that. <laughs> so what had William really been up to after mm. quitting Polstead and leaving Maria to rot, apparently? Well, a newly single man with a little cash from the farm sale must be in want of a wife, well, Nick. Quite, absolutely. Where do you go to find good wives? The market. <laughs> the wife market the wife the lady market i don't, I don't know <laughs> you're asking the wrong person <laughs> the lady market has come to town that's where guys go to find women <laughs> no if you want a good wife down the club well that's a good that's a good one you know there were many many clubs in the 1800s you could go to the hellfire club maybe there would not be the wifey material <laughs> no, there what you do is you just simply put an advert in the newspaper. Well, white. Yes. William, after leaving Polstead, has placed ads in the Times and the Morning Herald, which read, in capital letters, Matrimony! A private gentleman, aged 24, entirely independent, mm-hmm. whose disposition is not to be exceeded to any female of respectability, and willing to confide her future happiness in one every way qualified to render the marriage state desirable as the advertiser is in affluence. The lady must have the power of some property which may remain in her own possession should this meet the eye of an agreeable lady who feels desirous of meeting with a sociable, tender, kind and sympathising companion. They will find this advertisement worthy of notice. Honour and secrecy must be relied upon. Well, I won that because I'm rewriting my Grindr profile. So... It's very, it's very detailed. I it's like very it. detailed, but I mean that was the style, was the style of the time. <laughs> it was there the was, style we've, of the we've time. We've done so many of these where, yeah, people write adverts in papers, and it's an entirely legitimate way of of meeting people. It is a business transaction, yeah. which is fine. When fleeing a murder scene, <laughs> yes, well, that you have a point. <laughs> mm, mm. He received more than a hundred replies yeah. to that advert. Some desperate, crazy ladies. 
some reports conflict on this and an excellent resource for this story is Judith Flanders and her book The Invention of Murder she's done a huge amount of research into this case as have many others but it was reported that some of the replies he never received because he'd met the woman of his dreams he'd met his future bride he met her and he said he made this sort of contact and he left about 45 replies unanswered these would later be picked up by a broadside and turned into a pamphlet and all the replies that William Corder got from his matrimony advert. Well, that's a bit embarrassing for the Mm -hmm. lady people. Maybe they cross the names out. So apparently through the advert, it's not absolutely confirmed whether it was the advert or it was the catalyst, but he met and wed Mary Moore, a former schoolmistress, and they were running a boarding house together in Brentford when the police tracked him down through a series of tip-offs from old friends one little note in this story is that one of the officers who would make the arrest was james lear who was later involved in the investigation actually led the investigation of spring hill jack and also there's a little excerpt on the internet as well that thomas hardy would write about this case later in the dorset county chronicle (laughs) Okay. As he is wont to do. And I don't know why, there's this little excerpt that's actually on Wikipedia, um, but I wanted to include because it was nowhere else. I was like, this is weird. The excerpt was that when he was arrested, he was in the parlour with four ladies at breakfast, in dressing gown, and had a watch before him, by which he was minuting the boiling of some eggs. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That's an extreme (laughs) level of detail. And I'm there for it. I love and, it. Oh my God. What? Thomas Hardy going over the top <laughs> on unnecessary detail. Shocking. You, you have a fair point. Shocking. <laughs> I'm sort of mentioning this tableau of the four women not eating, just staring at staring, staring, stirring, stirring at stirring their tea. Boiling eggs in dressing gowns. Yeah. <laughs> From these tip-offs, William Calder is arrested. A search of the house discovers pistols, the possible murder weapon. Mm. Also, various artifacts that are suspicious, including a passport from the French ambassador. The details of this are never really expanded upon, but they they think that the fact that he has a passport that has been issued by the French ambassador or whether it's been stamped by the French ambassador, it leads people to think he's going to try and do a runner. Right. Why does he have this? Pile for a Rocher. <laughs> <laughs> the ambassador had provided the reception that those four women gave was outstanding he's boiling eggs to disguise them as Ferrero Rocher I'm sure that's probably a joke for like four people because <laughs> no one will know what Ferrero Rocher are I think everyone knows what Ferrero Rocher are I don't know, are they American things I'm sure you can get them in America oh, Oh, well, Fair tell enough. us, tell us, darling listeners in America, do you have Ferrero Rocher? Do you want us to send you some? If not, because they're amazing. Only the finest. He is arrested. Now, we often talk about the press having a field day with murder mm. cases and scandalous trials. But this is certainly true, if not more true than ever, in the case of Miss Martin's it is murder. Truer. It's truer. It's the truest of truths. <laughs> the press, which have never been known to bend the truth in no, order to spin no, no, a good no. yarn, set about casting these two lead players in this tale in suitably melodramatic light. Nice. When they get hold of this story, a fantastic story of a young woman, a mm. murderous lover, mysticism with visions in a bread barn. Oh, 
They have a field day, to say Sounds the good. least. Maria Martin is portrayed as a fine young woman who had simply formed an imprudent connection. She was said to have a docile disposition and had good moral education and had earned the esteem and admiration for all. Well, that's not, not what we've heard. Mm. Her yeah. two illegitimate children by two different daddies. Yeah. Not a problem this day and age, back then and there. She's been shacking everyone in the village by the sounds of it. Pretty much. But that has suddenly turned into just a symptom of her playful and entirely vivacious disposition. Well, that, that, that's quite modern of them. It is. I, I, feel, I feel a big butt coming on. Well, the butt <laughs> being that they are just willing to portray the victim in any saintly light that they possibly can. Right, okay. Should Had she had any kind of misstep that was brought to True the national enough, press, yes, yes. she would have been strung up to She would have been up to the vilest of the vile, absolutely. Indeed. They even went so far as to praise the fathers of her illegitimate children, commending the one who paid financial support for his son that he wanted nothing to do with right. and basically paid her off to say, I don't don't want to have a relationship with you or the child but they said that his contact throughout had been of a man and of a christian oh for fuck's sake so anything associated with maria martin is seen as is entirely saintly and completely beyond reproach beyond reproach but william he is a seducer he is a beast he is a multiple murderer but he is fodder for the press oh he is delicious they want every little piece Mm. of him the papers accused him of attempting to murder maria's other children they conjure up all sorts of stories about him trying to feed them poison pills hidden in various fruits and if you hadn't chosen mole i would have had a whole load of other things that i could have done <laughs> but you went for that mate no well, you offered <laughs> i offered it first you went for it I was like okay fine save those for later he was accused of murdering his own child with her the baby mm. that she bore that they started speculating that the two of them had murdered mm. uh, the baby They accused him of every type of forgery, of cruelty imaginable. This crime would not just delight newspapers, but also the world of theatre. Oh, nice. Yes, this case absolutely inspired so many plays, so many performances throughout not only London and the South East, but the UK, possibly even further afield. So scandalous and juicy was the case that while William Corder was on trial, when the trial just was first beginning, plays were written and performed about the crime. Oh. Farces about his Lonely Hearts advert mm. that he had placed, Roger. turning him into an absolute fool and a buffoon. Spooky stories about the visions of Anne Martin. Oh. Gruesome reenactments of the crime. Songs and dirty rhymes sung at length in every pub across the country all proclaiming Corder the killer and I can't overemphasize enough how much of a sensation this trial was that alludes back to everything I've said before Mm. is that this was a huge case but it was like the OJ Simpson trial (laughs) in not that it was the biggest crime of the century but it was so parodied and was the basis of so many performances mm. around the city that it just became legend. I, I want to hear some songs and dirty rhymes. Unfortunately, I can't sing them for you. That, would be, that would be cruel. As the trial in Bury St Edmunds grew closer, hotels in the area were booked out, <laughs> completely booked out by people wanting to attend. Mm. The event had to become ticketed. <laughs> nice. I like get that. Your tickets, get, get your tickets. Get your tickets. Get your tickets to your murder trial. 
I know it gets better. You, you, okay, so with a trial, you know, there's a little bit of maybe souvenir work going yeah, on in the, in the, you know, a pamphlet. The red, was the red barn, like, demolished and sold by the square inch or something? Later, yes. Okay. Better. <laughs> Staffordshire Pottery. Nice, okay. Did a recreation model of the red barn. Excellent. With, with Maria me. Martin in the doorway. Oh, God. <laughs> Alive, alive. Oh, no, not, not, not the corpse lying <laughs> no, in there, buried. Not, not the corpse, but they made a a model oh, of the wow. red barn, and that's a Staffordshire. <laughs> okay. Also, you know the name George Sanger? I do know the name George Sanger. Lord George Sanger, circus impresario later in his life. But when he was a child, he toured with his father, who was also went round and did the circus sideshows and so forth. They had a camera obscura shadow box show that was based on the murder in the Red Barn. Mm. So we're talking little kind of sliding yes, silhouettes yes, yes. and candlelight and describing the scenes of the murder. Mm. That's what he did when he was a child. So all of this is going on outside. So the judge of the trial is William Alexander and he is furious. He's furious with this attention because he's having to push through crowds at the court, even though it's ticketed. He is having to shove his way <laughs> to deliver justice. Don't you know who I am? Mm-hmm. But it's also the risk of prejudice of this case. He is yelling at clergy even for preaching hour-long sermons about about William Corder and all the murderous ways he has. It's like, the man has not been tried yet. Could all of you just hold on for five goddamn minutes? <laughs> Papers continue to label Corder a murderer. And if you can imagine in this day and age, it's like they completely side with the fact that Corder is a murderer. And they, he hasn't even stood trial yet. Corder appears in court on the 7th of August, 1828, pleading not guilty. Mm. The cause of death has not been established because she had indeed apparently been shot and stabbed and strangled with Corder's handkerchief. Oh, it's Corder's handkerchief. It was his handkerchief. That helps. But nothing could be proven. Mm. Nothing could prove the actual cause of death. Uh, Was this the one thing that killed her? Corder's indicted on nine charges of various murder and assault and forgery at one point as well. Just get... (laughs) everything bloody in there so he'll be convicted while she was called to give evidence at the inquest Anne Martin was not called up to the trial some reports on this differ but apparently she wasn't called up to the trial to give evidence about her vision vision. probably wise that she wasn't (laughs) this this judge does not seem overly sort of he yeah he seems quite stern I think coming the woman coming in saying well I saw it in a dream I don't think he's gonna have much cop with that so on the third night I dreamt get the shit (laughs) off my fuck out of it I'm going to execute you. (laughs) But the other witnesses came forward claiming to have seen William going into the red barn with a pickaxe on the day of the murder, for God's sake. There were other claims that he was after her money, the money that previous lovers had given her, or he just wanted rid of her. But then Corder takes a stand. William Corder takes a stand himself, and his defence is not great. Okay. Mainly because he said that he had arrived at the barn and she flew into a passion and she unbraided me for having not so much regard for her as other gentlemen had, and then she shot herself in the eye. Right. Mm. Okay. There are varying reports that he turned in the middle of this argument, walked out of the barn, heard a gunshot, and he goes back in and she shot herself. I am struggling with that one, I have to say. Mm. If you're going to shoot yourself... I don't think through the eye... It's quite difficult, really. It's a bit much. You're literally looking down the barrel yeah, of a gun. Well, even just physically, it's quite... <laughs> Are your arms really short? Well, I don't know. Nick assu- is acting this out right am, now, am, people. I'm assuming the gun is the same size as my hand. Because um, <laughs> like if it's like a rifle, then you're fucked. Um, 
It wasn't a shotgun or a rifle. Well, they, oh, I'm just thinking more like AK-47 kind of An AK-47. Right? There, there, there were certainly no AK-47s. Um, <laughs> or machine guns or grenades or any sort of light A rocket spirit. launcher that she aimed at her eye. Yeah, I think that would be difficult to shoot yourself in the eye. No, the pistol. Tiny little lady's pistol. But it's not, it's not a natural place. If you're going to shoot yourself, it's going to be in your the temple, side of the isn't head. it? Yeah. It's, unless, it's, unless the barrel slips and it shoots in the eye there. She, d- she didn't. She bloody convinced. didn't. I'm not convinced by that, I have to say. <laughs> well, I think he's... he may be telling fibs. Do you think? Do you think at any stretch of the imagination he might be? He said she shot herself and panicked he buried her. And he claimed the stab wounds, the stab wounds that were between the ribs and mm. one went through the heart as well, uh, were caused by the mole spike. That's the mole spiking. That was daddy. Daddy stabbed daddy. his own yeah. daughter. And the handkerchief, uh, moles did that. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. Okay, he didn't, so, <laughs> he didn't say Moles, that. they stole my handkerchief and they tied it in a neat little nut. <laughs> While singing mariachi tunes. No, uh, the, there's no explanation for the handkerchief got there. Right. Was yeah. it like a fashion bandana? Well, not a bandana, but a, uh, you have like a neckerchief sort of thing? He Was did give her thing? his own clothing, apparently, in Was one report. Her, well, she had to look like a boy? She Was had it? to look like a boy. So he, there was one report that he gave her his own clothing and that she may have tied a neckerchief around yeah. it. This is tenuous at best. Yes. There was a there was a handkerchief around her neck. But even so, the body has been stabbed, shot and strangled. So he's really gone to town if he has. And there for 11 months. So it's... Well, what's that got to do with it? Well, no, I mean, it's going to be difficult to ascertain which is the actual cause of death. Absolutely. No one knows what was yeah. the actual cause of death. With all of this compelling evidence in front of them, the jury takes 35 minutes to return a guilty verdict. He is sentenced to death. The mm. judge decrees that his body will hang and his body will then be dissected and anatomized afterwards. In jail, Martin apparently wrestled with his conscience for a long time and then finally confessed oh. that he shot Maria by accident during an argument. See... He does not confess to the stabbings or the strangulation. Well, stabbings is daddy. We um, can probably... That was a I, big part of the case is that whether it was the mole spike or the spade, some yeah. some, some reports differ, but that that's what caused the injury yeah. to her corpse. But, I mean, I mean, how do you shoot someone in a, accidentally in an argument? He says that while she was changing out of the boy's clothes, she's screaming at him, apparently, and... Mm accidentally shoots her in the face how so she's it's 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 feasible that these things can happen is it but you you have to be pointing your gun at someone or casually holding it from a low angle then shoot her in the face i mean to shoot someone you you don't if you're you're really bothering it is bothering me it's really annoying me if you if you are holding a gun casually not anyone has ever held a gun casually if you're holding a gun it's down by your side it's generally pointing at the floor one would imagine to casually hold a gun so it's angled up towards someone's face is not particularly casual i feel Mm. and to be standing there aiming a gun at someone's face is also not much of an accident so perhaps the judge was right to sentence him to death i believe so that is why william corder went to the gallows on the 11th of august 1828 in front of a crowd of at least at least at least a million seven thousand people oh seven thousand some people think 20,000. Yes. It's a, it's a wide spectrum. <laughs> and he was hanged until he was dead. Yep. His body was taken back to the courtroom where it was slit open to expose the muscles nice. of the abdomen. And around 5,000 people were allowed to come in and view the body. Just 
just have a look at just a dead body. Just have a look at the inside. Have a little look at a dead body. Okay. Very nice. But then he was later, his body was given to Cambridge University where he was dissected in full. And there's a particular term that, that that's escaped my memory, but that he was, uh, the muscles were tested by a quite rudimentary electric shock treatment. Okay, so they contract and things and yes, then they move. to right. check the contractions of the muscles. So he was brought in and that was tested and it was very, it was very interesting. His brain couldn't be examined, but his skull was given to phrenologists. Nice. I mean, classic. Absolutely legitimate. Brilliant. He was said to be profoundly developed in the areas of secretiveness, acquisitiveness, destructiveness, and imitation, imitativeness, with little evidence of benevolence or veneration. Souvenirs from the case were, of course, all the rage. Of course. People stripping the red barn bare after mm. the case. You said it earlier mm. on. Yep, they absolutely stripped it to nothing to a shell maria martin's gravestone was chipped away almost to nothing Ooh, that's a bit of crap yeah the area polstered became such a tourist hotspot thousands thousands of people came to visit to see the barn to take a souvenir and she had no gravestone at the end of it maria martin mm. they had to put a kind of a sign that no one could damage on top of it pieces of the rope of course that hanged oh, God, called yes. a, a guinea a piece pieces of his scalp and ear were put on display in a shop in oxford street they just ripped a bit of his head off nice. and just went here it is look at this now <laughs> his widow his his final mm, wife yeah. sold his glasses and snuff box which apparently had an image i don't think this is true but it apparently it had a likeness of uh, maria martin on it Oh. Maybe it was just a woman. Or maybe it was her <laughs> and she just said it was well, it's a bit convenient. I'm, Why I'm, would he keep that? Yeah, Why would I'm he sure keep it, that? it may have had a, a picture of, of someone. Yeah. But to say it's her is going to skyrocket the value. But <laughs> she sold his shit. A copy of his death mask is still kept in the dungeons of Norwich Castle. Nice. His skin, my favourite thing. Oh, how many books? Tanned by surgeon George Creed. Used to bind a book yeah. that covers the murder. So good. Yeah. And apparently, for the phrenology side, Corder's skull is cursed. Is it? Every person who owned the skull had terrible misfortunes that fell upon them. That's what comes about owning someone's fucking skull, A doesn't it? A human skull. The person who owned it first, terrible, terrible bad luck. Awful things happened to him. Passed it on to someone else. Same thing happened and they both got together and said, we need to give this a Christian burial. And then the curses stopped. Right. So maybe William Corder's legend lived on... <laughs> it's a good story i thought i thought you were going somewhere completely different with the red barn um well like the it. red barn is a story that needs to be covered but then i went oh another okay. red barn. now which is the one that the song is about that it's it's american oh, it's, it's a kind of american barn. sort of folklore one by tom waits i was yes. listening to this while writing the story yeah. and then listening going oh this is none of this uh, this is not this this is not this red barn this is an entirely different red barn it's a sort of composite of various stories I many think. different red barns a couple of little uh, addendums to this story mm. before we launch into nick's dissection <laughs> you know i said it referenced another yes murderer. indeed yes 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 i'm intrigued there is a theory oh, oh God, let's okay. call it the- a story perhaps a bollocks. There is wild speculation. <laughs> wild speculation that while he was in London, William Corder met Thomas Griffiths Wainwright. <laughs> okay. 
Cornelius Van Bingbooms. Cornelius Van Bingbooms strikes again. He does. Apparently, well, apparently, I'm paraphrasing massively here. Because of the smuggler friend called Beauty, right? Yes, yes. Met in London, and they they operated in rural areas. He had met the same actresses that Thomas wainwright frequented and like would visit you know in his part of his high society kind of thing and that thomas wainwright also knew beauty and an actress who knew thomas wainwright would later claim to to know the details of the red barn murder because thomas wainwright had told her what had happened because he knew these men intriguing so she was an actress on the stage she had hung out with all these people it's completely tenuous and it has been completely discredited but it was said that William Calder like ran it. into Thomas Griffiths Wainwright while he was in London. Oh, or he like knew it. someone who knew him. Ah, there you you many people bumbling around at that time. So, mm. And Thomas Wainwright went everywhere. Well, this is true. No, I'm, I'm happy with that. I like that. I'm going with that. There's another theory, but I'll let you Ooh. have a chat first. No, well, I mean, you, you've covered everything quite familiarly, so... And I, I think I've had my moment about you can't accidentally shoot someone in the head with a pistol. <laughs> I find that... I still find that difficult to, to believe. So that's a, that, no, that's not a thing. And yeah, definitely stabbed by the father. Yeah, is, the, the, and, the and you spark. don't fucking search for things by stabbing them. I'm sorry, this still annoys me. Um. <laughs> I don't think that he thought his daughter was alive. If you're searching in the ground, you're searching for a body. <laughs> Even if you are searching for a body, you're okay. I'm searching for a body in the ground. Do you go around stabbing it? Well, I'm really sad to break this to you, Nick, but yeah. No, I no, no. People who are trying to find stuff in, like, yeah, they kind of stuff, shove sticks in the ground. Yeah, no. Oh, it's gotten dark. I'm sorry. No, 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 I don't like it. I don't like it. So, no. Protect the moles. Just give them some mole. <laughs> And, some and they're, they're tiny sombreros and guitars. <laughs> oh my God, imagine if they were all having a little mariachi band. Yeah, exactly, like, they were having meeting. a great time down la, there. La, 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 la. <laughs> Fresh off the boat, <laughs> looking for a new life. They're having a grand time. In <laughs> Suffolk. In Suffolk. <laughs> and they've been turned into a fucking glove. <laughs> but good gloves. Deliciously <laughs> lovely gloves. So one of the rumours that I quite liked uh, associated with this case, because there are many, I'm sure. many. <laughs> One I quite liked was Anne Martin, yes. the woman who had the, the divisions. Sight, she had the side, mm. had been shagging William, William oh. Calder. Well, you said she was a lot younger. She was well, the, same, ye- the same sort of age older, as the George. Yes, a uh, year older. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. There's, there's sort of cash involved in that situation. Really? Well, I don't mean... I don't, it's probably incredibly horrendous for me to say, but I think this is a young woman who's... What, a year older than someone's daughter? Shacking up with chap. Obviously old enough to be her father. I, I don't think, potentially, that's love at first sight. <laughs> I think there's some sort of encouragement or, yeah, incentive. He did well for himself. Well, he, exactly, he did well for himself. There's a lot of moles out there. He, he, did, he did well for himself, grand. And he was able to either, well, not buy a wife, but he was... I don't think he was that rich. I think he well, was no, fine. But yes, so he was fine, but... Yeah, I find I still I find that weird. Well, the idea was that Anne Martin had been having an affair with William. William mm. was obviously very free with his love. Yes, indeed. But the, they'd been having an affair. She was jealous of Maria. They had 
plan the murder together. Ooh. William maybe being a little bit more Machiavellian, wanting to say to her, say to Anne and say, oh no, I love you and uh, let's get rid mm. of your stepdaughter. She's just a burden. He just wants to get two, two women off his, off his plate. Kills her, buries her. For whatever reason, they make this pact that he will get in touch with her later. And then when she finds out he is remarried in London, that's when she reveals... Right, she reveals his secret. That's- he does. That she starts talking about that she has visions of where the body is. How did she know where the body was? Because no one questioned Daddy. No one questioned yeah, no, them. Indeed. Okay. Because how do you know where the body yeah. is? Why Why would you voluntarily do this? So one of the theories is, is that he had betrayed her. She finds out that he is remarried, that he has abandoned her completely. So mm-hmm. she goes, okay, I have reportedly the sight. I know the secret again for against you. So, And no one questioned this at any point. I mean, that is bizarre though, isn't it? No one said, well, how do you know to look there? Yeah. Because my psychic wife told me to. And they went, okay, then fine. <laughs> <laughs> that seems entirely, at the time. That seems entirely logical. But that's um, it. Because these days you'd go, you two are involved yeah absolutely you two are involved you've killed your daughter because she's had too many babies which is horrible and now you've tried to pin it on william but then he's admitted to shooting her in the face how did they find the body and why tell this story about second sight unless it's true it's not true (laughs) i I, I promise you that it's not true (laughs) sorry (laughs) maybe she had division no she didn't no she didn't I can tell you that now. <laughs> it's an interesting one, it is, isn't it? It, it is. It's interesting. You're giving me much to ponder upon. Maybe the the daddy was in there searching the entire barn for eight hours well, and just yes, every it, single yeah. piece of ground. And she said, I think it's somewhere in the barn. Exactly. I mean, you, you don't know. I mean, days before that, she's going, oh, she's in the green barn. <laughs> the next day, she's in the white barn. <laughs> Next None day. of that. She's was in reported. the pink windmill. <laughs> no one remembers that. No one remembers Rod Hull burying her. Apparently, <laughs> exactly. Six months later, she's in the red barn. Oh, she's in the red barn. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's great! My God, you're a miracle worker. <laughs> I, I I like that twist on it. I like the how did she know? Is yeah, it that, just that, that's very the true. law of averages of that she had to come up trumps at some point exactly. after eleven months? <laughs> She's been searching for the whole bloody year. <laughs> well, you know the rules, guys. What do you think, people? What do you think of this story? This was a huge, huge story at the time because of the number of adaptations that were made of this case. Huge numbers of plays, of ballads that were sung, various films that were created about around this story in the 1930s there have been adaptations on bbc audible plays and and reproductions of this it's a it's a big one it was really big at the time so what do you think of the story do you think that william corder was the culprit do you think something more sinister was going on Mm, how do you shoot yourself in the face (laughs) don't dwell too long on that no need not but do you have the sight have you seen the red barn in your dreams (laughs) no of course you haven't and how many more red barn murders do you know of what should we cover are there any other different colors of barn that we are neglecting for some reason (laughs) tell us what you think of the story and most importantly do mix up a right hand do indeed now get this... some mole bitters, they're very good. Now, how do you get the mole bitters? I went to the horrendous, horrendous place that is Amazon. <gasps> Scandalous. 
but it's got stuff that you can get quick. It's like it's like a bad relationship. You keep going back. Yeah, exactly. To, you isn't keep it? going back. You know, I'm not going to do it again. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Oh, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Just response. Okay, fine. <laughs> we absolutely advocate find a local supplier who does Molly Bitters because it's better support a local business than Jeff You're Bezos. Right. This was a last minute thing for you, so it's fine. Support local wherever you can. Get the Molly Bitters if you can. You probably have the rest of the ingredients. Yeah. If you don't add the Molly Bitters, it's still going to be a nice drink, but it won't true. have that secret spice. It won't have the secret Molly Spice. <laughs> the Molly Spice that Nick couldn't taste when I got. <laughs> It is a delicious drink. Tell us your cocktail ideas as well. What do you want us to be making in the future? Because even if we haven't come across a secret ingredient, we'd love to know some good cocktails that we could be planning ahead. Yeah. Or I can just have a have an honourable weekend. Just have I a just like a cocktail. Come and join us on the Patreon. We have over 60, 60 exciting new episodes there at the moment. A new one every week, along with all sorts of outtakes and silliness and shenanigans. It's an exciting place to be for about $5 a month. We also have merch. You can find the link in all the social places. There is a link to such things. Buy yourself a t-shirt, some lovely stickers. It's all very exciting. Tell your friends about the wonder that is the Poisonous Cabinet. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the Poisonous Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are... Trying to kill you. Bye.